This week on Their Lives, we spoke to the Senegalese ambassador to the United States, Amadou Lamine Ba, about his professional career, his career leading up to becoming the ambassador to the United States, his opinions on the United States' relations with Africa, and how to be an influential change leader within the space of politics and the wider social world. This is the final podcast of our two-parter of the Senegalese influencers that we have interviewed. We hope you enjoy Lamine's story, and please do provide us with any feedback that you do have on our social media handles. That's Benji underscore Fisher and Benji Hire on Twitter. And you can also find us on Instagram at It's Their Lives. We began by asking Lamine where it all began. I am born in Chess, Senegal, which is a little bit about um, maybe 50 miles from Dakar, where I live now. Uh, it's, uh, it's a cross crossroad, okay, uh, place where uh, we have many people from the, the, the sub-region of Africa live over there. Uh, it's, it's for the railroad workers that live there. My dad worked on the railroad. You know, so I, uh, um, during my childhood, some things we just do what all, uh, you know, kids do, okay, growing up with my, with my family and my parents, and then, um, and I was very involved also in, in my community as I was growing up, uh, again, uh, related to this subject and things what people are talking about, I get, remember getting a lot of vaccination. Okay, for immunization. I just want to show that I connect to this. Uh, that around that time, uh, you know, we, every year, there are some kind of vaccine we need to take. Okay, you need to take it again before you go to school. Um, before you get registration to school, you have to take those. Again, in that, I, can, I still have the scare on my shoulder over here. You can actually see it. Uh, during that time, uh, what I have. So, I pretty much went to school, primary school, okay, in a, um, I started first doing, uh, you know, w- working as a student to, to, to learn the Quran, okay, which, which we all do as Muslim, okay, in there. And then after that, I get inscription into uh, primary school, uh, my school called Mambara, you know, Ecole Mambara, which is a primary school. And uh, early on in my life, I was, I liked being in school. And I was a, I already consider myself a good student, you know. Uh, we would always have competing, and who is in the first, the first, uh, you know, first five of the class is every month, you know, those first five will be put on board, okay? Who is number first? Who is second? Who is third? So we are a group of us. We always competing to do that, and that's what gave me drive into really uh, liking education again uh, during that time. Uh, so prim- from primary school, uh, again, I started uh, going to uh, high school, okay? The high school in Senegal, our high school is about how many, eight years? So we started uh, first um, uh, studying different languages. You know, what is important in Senegalese education is that you know, uh, early on in high school, English is compulsory. You have to take English classes, okay? Being a Francophone country. And then after four years, 
you have to decide a second foreign language. It could be Spanish, you know, it could be German or Arabic, things like that. I did choose Spanish at the time. So I did, I speak a little bit of it. I've, I've forgotten most of my time. So uh, basically during that time in high school, that forged really what I have become later. Okay, I, I get involved in all the movement, political movement at the time. You know, it could be not really so much political, but we, we were first starting to fight for what we call corporate, you know, uh, um, you know, fight. We wanted to have better condition for study, you know, better. So that is will give us like riot sometimes, you know, again in there. So we, I spent that time uh, again, and then later on, among all of us that were fighting this corporate fight to help our, uh, you know, better condition of school, get acquainted and then exposed to ideology. Okay. Whether Marxism, Leninism at the time was very, you know, remember May May '68, we were we were doing like uh, fighting again, uh, starting to get uh, exposed to again this ideology uh, divide of the world between capitalism and socialism, and then everybody has to choose, you know, sides. At the time, it's it was very difficult for anybody uh, not to be get involved. Okay, it, it is either you are on it or you are not. Okay, in that so everybody will be labeled like careerist, like somebody who, who is really following his career, involved in that, don't care about nothing. And those that are more ideological, engage, okay, to try to fight for our post-independence country, okay, to be in the right track. I get early involvement in it, and I think that I forge who I become later. Yeah, following that, and because I was in those movement. I remember my dad wanted me to be a lawyer. We have only one lawyer in our family, you know, okay, his brother. So my uncle, he was a lawyer and uh, he wanted me to be lawyer too. But at the time, again, I was so involved, okay, in uh, in politics and all this thing. He didn't even know how far I was into this. He didn't know, how, have no idea. He was talking to me, but he didn't know how critical I was about how things work in our society and all of these things and how I wanted to change it. So I decided to go to us, you know, after the university, I didn't go straight to university. I actually went to uh, agriculture school. Okay, that's where I went just to start about two years. And it's a long story to discuss why I went there, but it is a very interesting thing. I just leave it at that. I went, I, went, I end up there. And after that, uh, I was involved in my political, uh, you know, uh, group, and they allowed me, they actually helped me get a job working as agriculture inspector in the chess region. I was not the inspector, I was, again, the associate of the inspector of the area. That is my fir first early career was in agriculture, going around, looking at the farmers and doing like that. So that, I think, I went to, I worked for the Senegalese government, I mean, for about three, four years, and then I went to the U.S., and that's when I, I went there to further my education. I went yeah. to a high university, you know, and uh, and graduated from there. Uh, I got my master's degree and Ph.D. degree at Ohio State University, Columbus. And after that, after I graduated, I, 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 I came back to Senegal, and I was working for a project, um, it's called Locust Talks. What we were doing is study the effect of pesticide 
on non non target organism um, i worked for them about maybe what two three years four years and then i think i i just went for vacation returned in the us um uh, and i get an offer for an assistantship and i did stay you know again in there and did my assistantship uh, again there and that will allow me after the, the teaching assistant research assistant and i got my phd again there and then in uh, i went there 1999 in 1992 i received a call from a foreign minister that was also a friend of mine telling me that they were thinking about me uh, as an ambassador to, to to Washington okay so we i get the news my i i talked to my friends and uh, my parents and all of that i did take the job at my own. at the time i didn't know the president well okay but i knew him before he become president because we were talking and we were helping him get president there, there is a reason why he he asked us to serve because we were helping him in terms of ideas logistic things like that organizing uh, the opposition around him we play a critical role in that so that's why i end up being the ambassador of senegal in washington i was in banga hill 191999 and in 2002 i become ambassador again in stz until 2010 all full 8 years but you can say that i stay in washington over there as ambassador of senegal in washington and i was one of those person that when i came I never get to have any rest whatsoever. My president was lord of United States. He always want to come over there. I have to organize his visits and etc. But what really keep me busy is trying to get uh, the US government um to help more Africa, you know, uh, in general and Senegal in particular of course. And I was involved with the US African Ambassadors Group a lot. I was a very active member of that group. and then we work together to advance the interests of africa all the time you know and some of the things i was telling them you can see it now okay because when you look at how much money they give to africa and think that it will can make a difference is ridiculous okay at the time it was averaging less than a billion dollars okay less than a billion dollars for all the african country but we were i was trying to tell them that this is like you know you are trying to solve an issue but you putting just uh, um, the money that you are putting there will never make a dent it will never make any difference whatsoever because the need are so huge that they needed to to give a little bit more but i knew it was kind of improperly idea to try to to do that but it was my job to actually help increase you know the The, 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 you know the 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 money the, the development money in the, you know for my country that that was just come to us it i was not advocating to say that that's what we should rely on only you know i mean this covid uh, 19 show us right now how much we need to really depend on ourselves okay because what's going to happen i don't know what's happening in the future you know i mean definitely there's going to be some nationalism isolationism whatever you can call it and country that will not depend on themselves will risk uh, again uh, to to be 
really, really suffers a lot. You know, like we're suffering now. We need masks. We don't have it here right now. So we have to depend on those can to do something, little things like that, you know. And, and then again, so I believe in us doing our own, uh, how do you call it, uh, you know, working on our de own development and then trying to, to make sure we realize that what we need is here. It's not, no country is uh, developed with, with, with aid money. You know, South Korea and all of that, they did it, but just a little bit, okay, in that. So did South Korea, for example, did they even need uh, IMF and World Bank, really, to develop. So, so that's what we need to follow as a model, and I, I believe in that. But at the time, I was advocating that uh, into my role uh, to increase, you know, um, you know, the the add money to Senegal. So that that was really what I put my my effort and organized the African Ambassador Group, going to the Congress to lobby the Congress. I knew you to know everybody that is involved in anything has to do with with aid and everything from all these different committees that you have in the Congress again there. Um, and the reason you felt, the reason in your mind there was an imbalance in America's priorities towards some countries over others, do you think that was because of a, a warped perception of what Africa is like, that people just don't really understand an entire continent in the world? There isn't really an appreciation and acceptance of what Africa brought or the cooperation that countries could have between the U.S. and nations uh, in Africa? What was it that prevented people yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. First of all, the U.S. usually they they call themselves they have a. I did talk to Susan Rice. I remember asking her at the time she was not even Secretary of State. She was working for the Brooklyn Institution. I called her office and asked her to to pay a visit, and then she she granted again me the visit. So they I came talk to her. Um, and, and one of the things she told me, I never remember, that Senegal is only, what, 10 million people? You know? It's not big. So they were thinking about their, their Africa thing is that Nigeria. It's the biggest South Africa, things like that. That's where the polarity is. That was the first thing. Okay? That's what she told me. I think this, there was even, uh, you know, another... That was just the... These are the tip of, they didn't understand really what Africa represented, as you said, okay? That is just a reflection of their lack of understanding. And uh, so, because I came in during uh, the Bush administration that was, was putting for aid, and I think I get MCA, I don't know whether you know about that, it's called Millennium Challenge Account, you look at it, that's when I worked my country, ultimately get $540 million at the time, the, the, the biggest prize money get in there and we could have even had billion but it was you know spoiled uh, but anyway but I then the Obama administration came okay you know that's where actually we get the MCA but I was telling them about the fact that if the US you know do not rethink their Africa policy they will stand to lose a lot in the future you know my, my, my strong belief is that if there are many competing efforts, EU, US, okay, uh, China, uh, Brazil, you know, India, all of these are competing for African business. As you know, Africa is very rich in resources of all kinds. Mm -hmm. I mean, now with new technology, every single day there is a discovery somewhere, 
okay, about zircon, about oil, about gas, about gold, about anything, diamond, every day. So I was advocating, I was talking to the U.S., trying to explain to them the need for them to rethink their Africa policy. First of all, I told them that there is a linkage between Africa and the U.S., okay, through African American and through slavery. We have something in common. First, they never colonized Africa. So therefore, Africans do not see them in a, you know, the same way they see like France as a colonialist and others. They don't. They have that. And they also have a huge population that came from Africa. That is another thing. And we are just across the ocean from the United States. So I had so many things that I was telling them. And then Africa has these resources that whoever will be the partner of Africa in the future and then help them develop will be, I think, the winner in this global competition. I was just arguing them like that. So it was an uphill challenge being the ambassador to the United mm-hmm. States because you had mm-hmm. to encourage them to give aid, give support. What was the mindset mm-hmm. that you went into meetings with representatives, with senators to encourage change? Usually I start with the lower level. If I had any chart or pictures or anything, I brought it with me. My mindset was just to try to convince them. You can see sometimes, uh, again, uh, people just thinking about corruption, which is true. Which, in me, as far as I'm concerned, it is true. And that is something I fight. I, I did fight that image. And that's why whenever I heard anything like that in my country, I was so upset. You know, because it is true that you don't want taxpayer money to go you know, in countries where the president would just pocket it and send it over there, overseas. So that was something that you have to also, you know, explain well. I mean, usually something in the press, you think they don't have it, they may have it. So you need to be able, uh, coming here, to able to answer tough questions regarding corruption, regarding misuse of money, and just being level with people. You don't have to lie about it, okay? Well, I mean, just no sort of... You know, you've been through so much now in terms of your career and that, and you didn't think that you'd even become an ambassador when you were just teaching in college. What would you go back and say to a younger version of yourself about how to prepare and what to expect from from life? Oh, uh, yeah, see, that's uh, young people. Um, I am a passionate advocate for education. That's That's what I tell people. I always explain why education is an investment. Once I, my, 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 when I finished my ambassadorship, I could have go back to government. You know, I had, you know, many people asking, encourage me to approach the government. But I went back to doing teaching because of that. I told all uh, students and, and young people in general, my my daughter that I was talking, and other people about how important education is. No matter what you do in life, okay, okay, you could be successful without education. I mean, in terms of having money, if that. But if you have education, whatever you, have, how much money you have, will be probably more because you can manage it better. And I, I'm just telling them an investment to your life. Like right now, the best thing that you have to do for your is to get an education. Okay, because as you are here, you know, going to classes, it might be very difficult for you, but you will get a job. So I, I put, put it as investment in your future. 
you are going to be able to influence your your environment you know your country you're doing that by 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 having an education you will be able to do that yeah. so um you know I'm, I'm a strong believer in education and telling the young people about that they unfortunately in nowadays you know with the tv with people see they have always a distorted view of of what success is you know and, and again it's, it's not about music is not about all of these things that you're doing i'm not i have nothing wrong with that but not everybody can have this kind of talent god given talent to do that you know and even most of those they will actually educate they have an education they go get an education too so so that that is one of the things i i tell about uh you know uh children especially in 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 today's world it is Something you're also quite passionate about is uh, that I've read up is sport as well. You were the yeah. you were the um, general secretary for sport in Africa. So probably like your compatriot Sadio Mane in yeah. uh, in Senegal, are there yeah. any are there any values that sport brings? Yeah, a lot of a lot of. By the way, my uh, what do you think my my favorite sport is in today oh today is it is it soccer because of sadio sadio mane no you get it wrong not soccer <laughs> cycling cycling i am a big fan of cycling so is benji really? he's a big oh, cycling I, fan yes that's my my friend. but yeah again oh. give you a competitiveness competitiveness okay uh you know uh, that is the first thing i combat about about sport you know uh, uh, also a uh, teamwork okay like cycling people do not know thing okay it also ask you discipline okay it takes a lot of sacrifice uh to you know to 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 perform at the highest level in terms of sport also health you know you do sport you can get healthy you know I mean that is but that's most important thing for me actually yeah. is the health. Those are tremendous lessons and especially in in this current you know day and age yes. when the important thing the important thing is to be healthy in order to avoid the consequences of, of what we're seeing now. Yeah, um, being I, I, fitness and being doing sport is actually nowadays is very important. I've tried to get I've tried to get Benji number one interested in cycling, but he's he's not having it. And, um, <laughs> he doesn't know. He's bad. I'm trying. What's what's this before I before I go? What's the um what's the cycling like in in Dhaka? Yeah, yeah. We I think they they have we we have a, a cycling organization. Uh, again here I know that there uh, the tour of in Senegal is actually in April. It's not as big as Ethiopia and all of that, but they have a tour, you know. Again, of course. Invite you well, should invite Benji to do the tour of Senegal. Well, no, you can yeah. tour together. Please. Uh, yes. That's all. Is there anything that you would have liked to have spoken about that I haven't asked you? Any yeah, questions? No. Basically, I think you have done, you know, uh, I didn't talk about my children. I, <laughs> I, and things like that. I, I, I know that's a very personal. Uh, but one of the things uh, that uh, that I, you know, um, regret in the, my life is the loss of my wife early. 2010 and and then also but it was a very tough situation but i saw my kids you know uh, you know uh, being 
very challenged on it. You know, they, they, they really, really suffer a lot, but they, they came out of it, as you asked me earlier, very strong. You know, I mean, now much stronger than me. And that, that has changed also a lot of perspective for me. You know, having a, you know, somebody that you are with and then, um, you know, lost her early, you know, again, in an untimely uh, death. Uh, that's one of the things also uh, in terms of my personal life. Okay, that's what I like to say. But but the other thing is just about the situation that we are living in and uh, the COVID-19 and uh, the effect it will have in the world. I think will, I'm just, I, 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 when, I, when I think about it, I think about two things. I don't know what's going to happen in terms of... Um, the impact it will have on the relationship between countries. I'm thinking about my, you know, again in their enter, you know, uh, you know, again in their. Uh, will the EU, EU will be the same? Will the US state federal government? What's going to happen between those? I don't know. Um, I, I I think about how about multilateral. UN, United Nations, NGOs, and all of these things, there, there, there could be some changes that is happening in that. Okay, the supply chain and things like that, that's what's going to happen to it. So there are a lot of things. Sometimes you think about people who will come back with this, you know, become more isolated, or will come back with this stronger in terms of interrelationship, much stronger. It can be either or, or something in between. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. I mean, you've had a, you've got an amazing story. Indeed, we do thank Lamine for his amazing contribution to the podcast and to the fantastic insights that he provided for both myself and Benji Hire. The first lesson that we learned from the ambassador uh, was the importance of education. That was something that he spoke about with a significant amount of pride. Um, it's really important to realise uh, most of our listeners will be in Western countries, but actually it's very important to realise that we perhaps take for granted that we can go to school and we can study in higher education. So I think that was a really important point that um, the ambassador made, uh, that we should value education for what it provides us, not just ensuring that we get a job, but also the wisdom that it potentially can provide us too. A favourite philosopher of mine, Alain de Botton, speaks about the importance of higher education specifically. Um, And he quotes John Stuart Mill, um, another defender of education. Basically, the objective of universities is not just to make skillful lawyers, manufacturers, doctors, etc. It's basically to be able to create cultivated human beings. basically an understanding and a love for our neighbour, a desire for clearing human confusion and for diminishing human misery. It's a way to basically make us happier. So I think that was a really important point that the ambassador made around education and the importance of education, not just to help us find a job, but actually to make the world a better place and to become wise through our learning. The second lesson that I learned from Lamine was how to change our perceptions to the continent of Africa. I think it's really important that we become less self-absorbed in our own Western culture, our own Western echo chambers and opinions, and reach out to our counterparts, our friends across the world, no matter the continent, and seek cooperation with them. 
And Lamine spoke about his intense desires to increase cooperation between the United States and the countries within Africa, specifically Senegal. So that was another lesson that I took from that. And maybe um, perhaps the third and final lesson that I certainly have learned is the importance of multilateral organisations like the G20 and the UN and others um, to help aid and support countries who are perhaps struggling far more than those in the Western world. And especially now during the coronavirus crisis, it is so much more appropriate to be looking out for our neighbours and Lamine made a very important point towards that. Thank you once again for listening to Their Lives. Like I said at the beginning of the episode, please do engage with us on social media if you want to be part of our virtual community sharing the lives of our elderly heroes. You can get in touch with me at Benji underscore Fisher or you can connect with us on Facebook at Their Lives. Also, on our blog, you can now subscribe to get the exclusive updates as soon as we release every single episode. So please do subscribe if you're enjoying these episodes and please do let us know your thoughts. Do stay safe, do stay well, and we'll see you in the next episode.